Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Coast to Coast. We are here April 26th in the afternoon, just on the heels of the Nets getting swept by the Celtics. Luca returning to the Mavs. We still have a series here between the Bulls and the Bucks, unfortunately. Still more playoff basketball to be talked about. And here with me, as always, my buddy Ronan. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I mean, I'm even more excited than usual that the, the playoffs are, are living up, even though some things, some disappointments we have seen, but they're, they're still those series that just live up to every bit of the hype that, that, that we want, to, that we got to see. That's what playoff basketball is all about and why NBA postseason is the best around. Yeah, it's the best. I love it. Uh, playoff basketball is great. <laughs> it's awesome. I'll get my energy back and we'll, we'll talk first to we'll go west to east. We'll, we'll eat our vegetables last this time. Um, we, we won't talk about my bulls until we absolutely have to, but we, we got to start out west. We got to start with, uh, I say the Javs, the Jazz and the Mavs. Got to talk about the crazy, crazy stand that the Pelicans have. T-Wolves and Grizzlies, that's still a series. Um, fortunately, Nuggets Warriors won't have too much there, but we'll, we'll, st- we'll start here. Luca returns and... How do, how do we think it went? What, what's, what's our evaluation in game one of Luca Ball as they're playing in Utah? I like it. You need, you, you need him back. He's still what the team is built around. He doesn't really – he doesn't hurt them on defense, and he, he pushes them back up on offense. When they're in those little lulls, that's where Luca can take over. And as well as they were playing with Brunson just going off and proving that he's a freaking superstar in this league, mm. you still want to have Luca as the guy superstar. running the offense there, you know? <laughs> it's got it's got to be the way. And, and obviously, he was rumored that he might come back for game three, but it looks like sitting him out for that game three is uh, is doing wonders because the two games, he's he's looked absolutely right in sync and, and perfectly healthy. Yeah, man, that the S word gets thrown around a lot in the playoffs. Superstar, superstar. We, re- we really need a quantitative definition of that word because that's that's being thrown like crazy. But the Brunson's credit just been absolutely unbelievable. Um, but you know, Doncic, his uh his return was interesting to me. Um, you have him coming into a situation where the Mavs have been playing fantastic basketball on the offensive end, just a really um, democratic approach, the way they've moved the ball, attacked anybody. I mean, they've, they've given the ability to Dorian Finney-Smith is putting the ball on the floor, trying to get to the basket. You know, Cleaver's taking a million threes and you've got Dinwiddie and Brunson, you know, given the keys to just do everything they can on ball. And Doncic being there is obviously a big departure from that play style. So I was curious to see how that would change. And I think, you know, there, there was moments during the game where the flow did seem a little bit disrupted. And that was kind of a question, you know, that the Mavs have this, this flow, they have the Jazz kind of figured out in terms of their, the way they turned up the intensity offensively. Um, and the way Doncic kind of slows the ball down and he takes his time, he's very methodical. And, you know, if he doesn't score, he's passing. But like sometimes it felt like he did take the momentum out of the game. And common crazy, because I mean, obviously they, they, um, he scores 30 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, and he could have been a little bit more efficient from three. And I, I think my only gripe 
with Doncic. And I say this because, you know, I think he's a fantastic player, amazing player, and he did bounce back in the next game, is that sometimes that step back three he falls in love with a little bit too much. He loves the dance at the at the top of the key, and he loves to get into that step back. Um, so I, I feel like there are times where he could pull back a little bit and let others get involved. But I think you're absolutely right. Like, you see it in game five, however, when they pull out the win against um, against the Jazz, that they have that alternating force. They have Brunson and Dinwiddie attacking when Doncic is off the floor. And when they start to struggle, when they're not when their offense isn't getting the looks that they want and they're being forced to get a bucket, there's not just look at you a bucket. It's that easy. So I, I think that's, that's good to see that they now have a two pronged attack and they're doing it without a second star. Although Jalen Brunson is making a very good impression as a potential second star. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. And I mean, like the return of Doncic could have been the two wins that put uh that put Dallas into the next round. I mean, he hit that treble in game four with 39 seconds left to give them a four-point lead. Mitchell gets really lucky with that and one that he got. Mm. And then Powell misses those two free throws. I mean, and then obviously Gobert gets that book and they end up winning by a point. I mean, that was just... On any other night, you might say that that, that Dallas were winning that game. But obviously the 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 Jazz the Jazz battled hard and and Gobert really stepped up after some of the criticism that he was receiving in the previous games, but then mm-hmm. defense and Luca and Brunson they just dominated Utah in that last game like my God, Mitchell nine points goes four fifteen shooting Bogdanovich just two points zero of nine shooting consider how well he's been playing in this series mm-hmm. so far, Conley only has four points one of six from the field. Then you get Brunson, 24 points, 5 boards, 4 assists. Luca, 33 points, 13 boards, 5 assists. And on di- two different occasions, the two of them both absolutely schooled Rudy Gobert down low. <laughs> absolutely destroyed him. And I it was just absolutely unbelievable. It just summed up the whole game. And they keep the Jazz to 77 points. The only time this season. I don't even know when the last yeah. time the Jazz failed to score over 80 was. But it, it was they definitely haven't done it this season. That was the first. So just showed both the, both of the main strengths of this Dallas team. They've got scores and their defense is so huge for them. It's it's insane to see it be be this way. And we've we've covered this a few times that the defense of Dallas has been top notch. Literally, they've been a top five defense since the new year. And that's showing here to hold the Jazz to 77 points unbelievable and I think that that really goes to show both both things here we've already talked ad nauseum about the dysfunction of Utah and how there just hasn't been they haven't been able to get into their sets they haven't been able to share the ball the the way that they want to and I think it's because they haven't responded to the physical pressure of the Mavs and the Mavs have transformed into this physical defensive presence and to really own the pace on that end of the floor it's really impressive. That's that's been such a massive change from last year, um, and I think I, I do have to look to Mitchell a bit. And he did pick up that injury. MRI is negative. Luckily, he's not had any major injury, but you know he's having trouble in his quads. He's having a lot of pain there. Obviously, has that hamstring injury, and he just doesn't look the part when it comes to the star that we know him to be. 
and I guess I, I wonder, is this, is this an indication of the player that he is or the system in which he plays in? I mean, I think at this stage you gotta you gotta take a look and say maybe it's the player, maybe he's just not he's just not suited to be the guy. I mean, they've had to look to Bogdanovich as much as he scored well in in this series. He's she's shot quite poorly, and they've really had to rely on the scoring of Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson to really keep them in games and get them get them wins. So I think I think we've seen enough of him when he's had enough of a shot, as much as he's still a young player, to to really step up and show what he's made of. And, and he just has not been able to do it yet for for this Jazz team in the big moments when they needed him. And and that game last night, not just him, but the entire team just looked like they just looked defeated. They were resigned mm-hmm. to the position that they were in. And I would be absolutely shocked if they managed, even though they're going back to the home floor, if they managed to get uh, force a game seven here. I will be absolutely shocked. It's it's weird because <laughs> they they come out out of game uh, game four with that win, and they talk about reclaiming their identity, knowing who they are, and just having to to do that. And I I'm not the one to to come out with the hot takes about okay, blow it up, blow it up, blow it up. And I, I think there's patience to be had with a talented team that has shown it can be talented but when you look at a situation like this and you can't back up your word and you can't fall back on the identity that you've had I think that was just a telltale sign that the run is up that they they had a moment they had they had a moment of reclaiming that identity in a very tough situation and they got a win very important win and then they can't follow up on that they can't consistently follow up on that for if they're a younger team, you know, I think it would be consistency is difficult to come by. Consistency is learned through habits, through muscle memory. It's a it's a mental game. The playoffs is so much of a mental game. And that's something young guys have to learn. But you look up and down this roster, I mean you have tested players, but the chemistry just isn't there for them to stay together. Whereas the Dallas Mavericks over the course of this year have been tested, figured it out, and are really just thriving in this new identity that they have through Jason Kidd again every time I say his name I got to give him credit it's amazing to see them play this way but um I guess we'll move away from the the jazz because I think there'll be much more of a conversation in the offseason unfortunately for them um but another offseason topic I think is interesting in this perspective is what you said is is Jalen Brunson a star and right now he's averaging 28.6 points 5.2 rebounds 4.6 assists on 47.8% from the field. And he's just been really the heart and soul of this team right now. What he's going to demand a lot of money this offseason. The Pistons reported are poised to offer him four years, 80 million. And you know, if, if the Mavs they match that, they got 40 million a year committed to him and Dinwiddie, essentially. So I guess I wonder what where is this going to play out? You know, him playing this well without him, them not extending him last year after his playoff performance then hmm. um is this the long-term solution for the Doncic math era i think it's uh, you can't make that call right now i think that's that's yeah. why people are paid the big money uh, in dallas to be able to make uh, to make that decision right now you say 100 absolutely yeah. you've got to pay him the money he, he's earned it with this playoff performance but again 
only the first round, even though he's been unbelievable all season. But again, only the first round. So, but if he keeps going in this sort of form, I think it's going to be very hard for for Dallas not to not to take the shot and uh, and pay him pay him the money. Here's an interesting hypothetical I thought of. You know, especially with the way Dallas has leaned into their defense, um, and they do have a little bit of insurance in Dinwiddie. Uh, Dinwiddie has not been as good as Brunson, obviously. Um, but he's been effective at times in his uh, very short tenure with the Mavs. Maybe a sign and trade between Brunson and um, Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant brings in another incredible defensive wing. It would be a similar contract, um, almost identical, really. Um, and that would bring another lob threat for Doncic, another guy who can create off the dribble, but from the wing position with a little bit more size. Brunson does give up a lot of size despite how well he's done in the paint offensively. Fun fact, he's for the year shooting 60% in the paint. It's better than Jaws 59%. And he's 87th percentile as a pick and roll ball handler. I mean, this guy's been absolutely balling. So I, I wonder if that, that might be uh, something that goes down. So it, it, interesting to see a guy who last year is looked at as, you know, an outside rotation playoff player now, being looked at as a 20 million a year type of guy and he's really earned it absolutely yeah true that let's just let's just hope let's just hope he's able to help to keep it up for for the rest of the uh the mavericks playoff run which i think will last to at least the second round if not uh if not further how about we move on just just a quick quick little note on that one win for the for the nuggets not nothing too major here you just have to say respect to denver they came together they were determined not to get swept Jokic obviously stepped up big, and then of course they got contributions from the role players that they hadn't gotten the first three games. I mean, Gordon and Maris, the two starters, combined for forty-five points. And then Bones Highland off the bench, fifteen, four, and seven. Cousins has ten points and four four boards in just ten minutes. They got the contributions that they've been crying out for all series. Maybe it probably just a one-off, but it, it was good to see that the Nuggets are still a strong, a strong team, and they still want to work hard for each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, finally, Aaron Gordon does something. Um, yeah. You know, I guess he wasn't. You know, he wasn't brought in to be a secondary scorer. That's not why he's there. But disappointing to see him not fulfill that in a very, in a needed situation. Um, but again, I think we give we give the Nuggets a pass because they're not. They're not the monster that they should have been if they were fully healthy, but we'll we'll be interested to see you know what the Warriors look like in the next round because I, I think that's that's where this really starts to get fun because they're getting hot against a totally overmatched team. Just Denver doesn't have the talent to match up with them, but depending on if they face the the Wolves or Grizzlies next, I mean those are two teams that they've really matched up. It's been a tough matchup for them. I mean they they've they've been evenly matched but that is not a matchup they're going to dominate they're not going to be dancing on the sidelines Jordan Poole isn't going to be going off for 30 points a night like they're they're going to have to grid out a win against either of those teams um and you know, maybe maybe go there we'll, we'll, we'll skip over Dallas Phoenix real quick but um the Wolves and the Grizzlies this is turning out to be such a fascinating fascinating series um when we left off we weren't sure where the tide would would go um, and you go right into to game three and what's cat saying they're in our house now. 
we got to play in our house. And man, they looked apart the and they looked apart the in the, that first quarter. We, we, we both talked about, okay, what, what is it going to come down to? What, who is going to step up? What's the identity of this T-Wolves team going to be? Who are they going to play through? And man, Pat Bev was just like going crazy. And he's, he's, he was like, okay, John Morant, I'll give my best John Morant impression, just going straight into the teeth of the defense, getting and ones forcing turnovers, just getting the crowd insane. And just on his back, they just start building up these leads. They had tw- three 20-point leads that game. I mean, you almost wanted to turn off the television in the fourth quarter. That has to be one of the worst collapses I've ever seen in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. For, the, for them to lose that game, was it tw- uh, total was like a 26-point lead they lost in the fourth that was Celtics Bulls bad I think that was the that was the worst one of the season I think this one takes a cake but I I really I really wonder what the long-term approach is here um short-term and long-term approach like what how do they gain consistency how do they gain consistency because you just can't get it in the long term and in the short term here in a, in a seven-game series you just don't know which Wolves team to expect quarter to quarter Oh, they they just need a protest. I mean, they're three and zero this season when there's been a protest, you know. <laughs> so they're, they're doing well in the when when that happens. But uh, outside of that, yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate because I mean they've had a couple of games in this series where cats look good, uh, especially the the game the game four there. And then of course the other two games he gets he gets into foul trouble. I mean that game where they blew the lead. Uh, he only ended up taking four shots, and he was three or four on those shots. But because of the foul trouble, uh, because he was out of the flow of the game, he never really got his shot anymore. So he only ended up having four shots. And then the stretch, you had Pat Beverly taking three balls. And I was like, no, Pat Beverly is a hype guy. He's a great defender, but he cannot be your go-to guy late in games in the playoffs. That's just, I don't care how hot he is. That should never, ever, ever be the case. I mean, he went four or six. Huh? In game four, in game four, he went four or six, and three. Yeah, but in, in game in game three, when they blew that lead, they were looking to him. They weren't looking to Edwards. They weren't looking to Dilo. They weren't looking to Cal. That's not Pat Bev's fault. Yeah, I know it's not Pat, Pat Bev's fault. Yeah. I'm not saying it's Pat Bev's fault. I'm saying it's the fault of the Timberwolves. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that, I think. That, I mean, and, and for not, sure too. Bev. Yeah. And, and, like I, I give you know, there's a void. The reason why he's so demonstratively the emotional lead i mean that it's it felt comical throughout the year to be like oh this newcomer peppa was the emotional leader like it's really showing through in the playoffs here that their their energy completely channels through him and you know it should be channeling through carl anthony towns and with the energy that he channels at times you know he has irresponsible turnovers and and just his body language these are things in the playoffs that matter so much now throughout the course of the regular season you know, it's, it comes down to production on the floor, but in a seven game series, it's a mental game. And he just gets so mentally rattled by these runs, chooses to be aggressive at the wrong times, getting offensive foul. Like I, he has more offensive fouls and defensive fouls. And that yeah. just shows where his focus yeah. has been throughout the series. And he just takes himself out of these situations without, you know, compensating on the other end. And he doesn't compensate correctly. And Anthony Edwards, the guy with all the swag. Where's that swag? Mm-hmm. Where is it? Lost up you know, in game one. It's it's easy. It's easy to be talking smack after big game. Easy, easy, easy. But when it comes down to zero zero, 
four quarters left. What are you going to do? And I think he, after that game one, I just feel like he's not had that same energy and he's not provided the lift in terms of his encore communication and what he's doing off ball. I don't know if he's injured. You know, he came out with, mm-hmm. with his knee limping. Um, I don't even remember seeing anything, any follow-up on that. Just knee soreness. Yeah. That's it. Um, so it's tough. It seems like there are times where he doesn't have the same lift. He's definitely not jumping as high. He's not making his cuts as hard. So clearly the knee pain is an issue. So I, you got to give him a pass in that way. But, you know, the attention to detail from him in particular has really fallen off. I mean, his, he's looked so disengaged off ball for most of this series. And for him, he's such, such a potent cutter. And it's painful to just watch him just like stroll around on the perimeter as the Wolves are just losing another possession. And I don't know if that's by design, but your most, your most explosive athlete should be trying to get looks at the rim, should be trying to force, you know, use his gravity by cut slashing. I mean, use, use that ability in some way, shape, or form. So I, I really still believe in the Grizzlies in this series just because they've consistently had the same energy. I mean, I think, I think at times it's apparent that the Wolves, they do have superior talent. I mean, their big three is more talented than what any combination the Grizzlies can put out there. Even, even Jaw's greatness can be muted here. Let's talk about Jaw real quick. I mean, he's not had the best performance against Minnesota either. 40% from the field, 27.3 from three. I mean, it, his 20.5 points, he's scoring 20 points a game, sure, but he's having a really tough time being efficient. And the Grizzlies have been able to. Yeah, and the Grizzlies have been able to compensate because their team plays together. They play through adversity, and that's not something the Wolves have shown. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think uh, that's that's what one thing that's what we love about this Grizzlies team. I mean, it's a, they really highlight the the emphasis. They remind the world that this this basketball, you know, it actually it actually is a team. It actually is a team game. When one guy is down, the others come together to pick that guy up. Like in the Game four, obviously they ended up losing only by the point. But Desmond Bain, he went off while while Ja was struggling. He goes for thirty four points, eight of twelve yeah. from three, and they're always going to get that. That's just what you get from this Grizzlies team, and that's that's where the issue lies with with the Timberwolves and and Edwards in particular. Like you mentioned, unfortunately, that's just been the issue all year. And again, you put that down to his age; he's still only twenty years old, so yeah. you're going to be seeing inconsistencies, but. If he wants to really make a name for himself, now's the time to do it. They're, the Timberwolves are going to be relying on him. He, he may be only 20 years old. He may be injured, but he's on the floor. He is a star scorer. The Timberwolves are going to be looking to him, and they're going to need him to step up in these final couple of games if they're going to pull off a shock win or at least four or seven games. Yeah, and I think the... There, it feels like there's a bit of gamesmanship when, when you hear him say it, but uh, when the Grizzlies are, are talking about in, in press conference about Ant, you know, they're praising him for, for his shot-making ability, um, publicly praising him for it, which feels like exactly what they want him to do because <laughs> he's, he's elected to take too many jump shots. He's, he's not attacked the paint, and the Grizzlies have completely controlled that end of the floor. Um, they've outscored them 210 to 154 across these games. And we've said in our preview that it comes down to winning the paint battle. That's what it's came down to for their season series. And Minnesota needs to turn the tides there and Ant needs to get more aggressive. So tonight I want to see him 
you know, get into the paint and, you know, maybe at the end of the series, we find out his, his knee injury really kept him out of it. But I think this, this Wolves offense really will get going if he can start to produce points in the paint, if he can put pressure on the defense, get them on their heels. Cause they're so the, the Grizzlies are, are really easily just getting out to shooters. There's, there's not enough that's pulling in defenders into the paint. There's, there's not enough pressure there. And D'Lo, you know, he's done a great job, you know, probing the defense, but he's not the most um, explosive athlete getting to the rim. So they need it to be that guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what do you, what do you think tonight? Tonight, who's getting the win? I mean, I, I'm, I think every night I'm saying Grizzlies. And if, mm-hmm. if the Wolves get the win, it's, it's, a, it's one of those games that they figured out. But the consistency I've, I've seen from the Grizzlies, and I think they're figuring themselves out too. I think there's a good opportunity for them to kind of see some of their holes. And I think the biggest hole that they really need to figure out before they advance, if they want to advance, is find out how to get Ja more efficient looks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ja doesn't look entirely healthy, but it's funny that when you say entirely healthy, that just means he's not floating in the air for another second and a half. Because <laughs> so, so many of his points, um, <laughs> there's no tracking data on this, but so many of his points and his ability to, to get to the, the line was the fact that he would just like out jump everybody and be in the air an extra just half second, half that's half second of, of being in the air and like triple clutching and getting to the line or getting a ridiculous bucket that puts so much pressure on the defense. And right now the way that the Grizzlies are just walling him off, getting three guys in front of him and forcing him to pass out, which has been excellent, by the way, the Grizzlies have done a great job um, shooting from three, Um, but they they need to find a way to, to get him cleaner looks. And that's, that's not an easy task. He's got to find a way to to score more without having to hit the floor every time, because that's going to scare the hell out of me. Yeah, it's gonna take a take a toll toll on his body, but uh, yeah. So I think it's 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 on the Grizzlies to, to get the W tonight. But T Wolves, you never know when they when they might uh, might put it together and pull a surprise. Final yeah. game of the East: Suns Pelicans. We're level at two two. East, sorry, what am I on about? Uh, on the, the wrong West. coast. Suns. So those young guys have been playing well. Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! Brandon Ingram. Dude's coming of age, 24 years old. Dude is coming of age in this playoff series. Struggled in game one. Since then, game two, 37, 11, and nine. Game three, 34, seven, and three. Game four, 34, and five. The dude has been absolutely unbelievable. First ever playoff series. You forget this is his first experience of playoff basketball, given that, uh, given with his time in LA and now, now in New Orleans. But He's looking right at home, and he's another one of these young guys that's really stepping up early in the playoffs this year. And him alongside McCollum, match made in heaven. Yeah, it's it's perfect, and it's looking like David Griffin has really, really hit the nail on the head in how he's developed this team and put the right shot creators alongside these young guys. And Willie Green, again, these young guys know their role. They're playing hard. And how awesome was it to see how rattled, absolutely rattled, Chris Paul looked against the looks that, that he was getting. I mean, he got stripped by uh, Jose Alvarado. You, you saw yeah, yeah. Uh, it was in game, I want to say game three, where he was sneaking up. He's doing this little little thing where he hides on baseline and steals the ball in the, in the backcourt. And Chris Paul waved him off. He immediately saw him, waved him off. But he got him. He got him. And this was one of his worst games ever. Chris Paul finished with four points in game four. 
and it's tied for his lowest scoring total in his 141 playoff games, like two from eight from the field. He didn't attempt a free throw in 35 minutes, and it was misses on all five of his attempts in the second half. That's how dominant the Pelicans were at stopping the point god. That is no small feat. You know, Chris Paul has his fair Scott share. Scott Foster wasn't even referring. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. That's, that was the biggest point. Another um, fun fact, Herb Jones, who, I mean, this has to become a Herb Jones podcast. I think he might be one of my favorite rookies this year. He's just been unreal, absolutely unreal. He becomes the first rookie since Paul George in 2011 to re- register three or more blocks and two or more steals in a playoff game. And to get it on the stat book is awesome. But when he's not getting those steals or blocks, you just watch him and the way he's hounding on the perimeter, how just he's 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 gonna make a, a all defensive team, maybe, you know, next year. Because when we see Mikhail Bridges on that team, I mean, he's he's playing Mikhail Bridges level defense, absolutely. Like there's just no question about it. The, if you if you think Mikhail Bridges is a defensive player of the year candidate, then you better be looking at this guy too, because he's absolutely putting in that work. Um, so just, just to see these young guys again, I mean, we're, it'll sound repetitive and I hope we get to keep repeating it because I think they have a chance to advance, especially with Booker still out because their defense through these young guys, their effort, and then the elite shot making from Ingram and CJ McCollum, it's coming along in a legitimate way that has me more confident in thinking this is going to be an upset. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, Valanciunas, that bounce back game he had in the game four win for the for the Pelicans was huge. 26, 15 and four. He looked back back to himself and they're going to need that down the stretch. But the, the best thing about this Pelicans team is just they're getting they're getting contributions from everyone in Everybody, the rotation. Yeah. Everyone yeah. who steps on the floor is stepping up and playing an important role for this team, which is just huge. And the way they, they stopped and shook CP3 in that game four. Because Chris Paul had been the difference maker in the two wins for um, for the Suns in this series. He's been the difference between the two teams so far. And the way they just shut him down was really, really impressive. One thing I will say about the Suns, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Aiton since uh, since Booker's gone down. He's really stepping up and trying, making sure that he's doing all he can to earn that contract that uh, the Suns weren't willing to uh, to pay him last year, you know. He, he's making he's making shots. He's making jumpers. He's not just making his making buckets at, at the rim. He's making uh making different kinds of shots. He even hit a three pointer, I think, in the game uh, the game three win. So he's really doing a lot. And if that keeps up, that will really help the the Suns to to avoid a very disappointing uh, upset without Devin Booker. Oh, yeah, you went 11, 11 to fourteen, and he he looks just more much more comfortable throughout this season just pulling up from a mid-range. And I think just adding that to his game has been a huge part of his success. And I think the Suns have to look at his performance no matter what happens and see the potential for growth. You know, you're not paying him for what he's done now, but I think he is a, he is a slow he's a slow grower. And right now he's 66.4% overall and 100% from three. Uh, in the playoffs in his career, right? And those two threes have come in this series. <laughs> so who, who, know, who knows what happens moving forward, but he's shown that he's been efficient in the playoffs when, the, when it matters. And I mean, as his face-up game needs to develop a little bit more, but he's won, he's won that matchup um, time to time throughout the series against JV, a guy who's really bullied him and every other center in the West besides Jokic. 
So it's, it's good that he's doing this in this tough matchup. Um, you know, one question that doesn't have to do with on the court for this team is about Zion. Should Zion be suiting up for this if he's healthy? Hell yeah. Should he? Uh, I think he should want to. Whether the Pelicans should, want to. should That's feel fair. a need, maybe not. I think not. that's the two sides of it. That's honestly that's how I see it. Because here's the thing: the Pelicans right now, as currently constructed, are better than the theoretical Zion Williamson enters this team and just dominates. Like I, I don't feel confidently. For all the people out there, like just clamoring that he absolutely should play. There's no reason why he should play. If he is 90% healthy, just get to 100. If if you, if you need to get to 100%, if you need training camp to figure out where you fit on this team, so I think he's such a specific player. What he was doing well last year is having the ball in his hands and um, really playing inside out, driving kick, you know, dominating mismatches. You know, does this Pelicans offense hum as well as they do? right now with CJ and Ingram running things on the wings. Where does Zion fit in with that? Off ball, doesn't. Not much of a screen setter right now in his career, which is weird. So I think there's a lot of variables that people aren't considering that, you know, Willie Green has a way, a formula that this team is playing well. And Zion one day will be that. But to introduce that now is just so unrealistic. And I think a lot of people are, you know, getting on Zion's case for it, but we don't know what he wants. I'm not going to assume that he doesn't want to be out there. I would love to hear it for sure. But I think the, the bottom line is that, you know, this team is already good as it is and they need to keep it going. And I think Zion will have to figure out a way over the summer to, to make himself relevant in that system. And it's not just going to cater to him, which is the fascinating part. Cause you know, we've thought, you know, that the Pelicans pick this transcendent talent and everything will be catered to him just the way that Anthony Davis is. But I think it's it's a perfect way for this team to actually be built that they've committed to their young guys. They've committed to an identity that goes around the team. It doesn't have to do with just one guy. And it's it's a beautiful thing to see right now in the playoffs. And, you know, if he's healthy, that that has such amazing potential for them to grow in the future. Yeah, absolutely. They've got the, they've got the footing now, no matter what happens from here on in, they've got the 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 footing, a good, a good footing to be able to integrate Zion into that team in the offseason for the start of next season. Mm-hmm. That could be yeah. all they need to really work on in the, in the offseason, just finding a way to get this potential generational talent integrated into an already functional uh, system. And they're also showing Zion, you're not our everything. We have a team without you, so the pressure's not all on you. That Then we'll see where his head's at. Does he want to be the absolute be all and end all he has to be the guy that's it or is he happier going into a team that can really challenge and really be successful as an entire group yeah that 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 is an interesting point and um it's it's funny there's been too many questions about his character and not enough questions about his his play on the floor and that's been the product of this weird weird absent season for him but um at any rate what we're gonna do here is i i think we should switch over to we're going to go coast to coast. Let's go back east. We're coming coming in uh, for our Celtics round table. We're missing, we're missing that one Celtics guy, but we got Tim and Kyle inbound. 
And I got a proposed game here for you, Ronan. And we, we've, we've talked off air and we've done a little draft of sorts. But we're going to play a drinking game. We haven't had a drinking game yet. So on a Tuesday evening for the entertainment of all of you, we will be, we will be drinking for you. Um, we drafted hot takes that are probably going to be uh, just running crazy on air from uh, both Tim and Kyle. And I'll, I'll let you, your team slander, Ronan, you, you go ahead and uh, put your, your takes that you expect them to say. And basically what we'll do is it's 10 points every time that take is said in one shape or form. And whoever has the most amount of points, the other person has to drink at the end of this. So what do you got? We got the slander. We got the Kyrie. We got Kyrie slander. We got Ben Simmons slander, and then we got basically Giannis slander. Basically, the the them saying the Celtics shut down KD and Kyrie. They're going to do the exact same thing to Giannis. Uh, that, that's a really easy one, honestly. You, you got a pretty easy ballot. Um, I feel like mine's kind of double, but mine. I know I'm going to hear Tatum is better than fill in the blank top five player. It's going to be Doncic. It's going to be Embiid. It's going to be Jokic, KD. And I guess we'll talk about whether those are hot takes or not, but I know I'm going to hear it. Second is, I think they're going to, like you said about Giannis, they're going to predict a gentleman sweep. Gentleman sweep of the Bucks or, or a sweep. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take the, the, that or greater than. I think I might hear a sweep from a particular person. I won't say who. But, uh, and my last is that the Celtics are the best team in the league. I, I figure I'm going to win this one just on, on the, uh, well, that the first one justifiable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we'll, we'll have that game. We'll, we'll see how that plays off. We're going to take a quick break here, bring the boys on talk Eastern conference and we'll see you in a bit. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. As the season heats up, we'd love to connect over social media and carry out the conversation with you fan. You can find us on Instagram at coast2coast00 and Twitter at coastmba. Hit our DMs with any topics you want to discuss and join the conversation today. Now, back to the rest of the episode. All right, guys, we're back. It's another Celtics roundtable. It had to be done after they were just after completing... The sweep against the Nets. Me and Chris both thought this was the going what? seven games, but this. the sweep <laughs> the, the sweep occurred. The only one of the first round. Celtics four, Nets zero. We got Kyle and Tim on here. We'll go, so, Kyle. Kyle, we'll hit, we'll hit you up first. What do you think about the Celtics sweep? Uh, you know, Chris is going to say stuff, but I predicted this, man. No, you did I said it. Yes, I did. Oh, my okay. gosh. All right. uh, you predicted I said Celtics in four. I said Celtics in four, okay? Listen, was I BSing? Maybe, but did it happen? Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm a genius, I'm a genius. It is what it is, bro. This is Tim, a podcast for Tim, geniuses. Me and Tim are ecstatic right now. Thrilled. Very thrilled. Um, My interpretation of it is that the Celtics are – legitimate contenders from the series it, it really proved it uh this whole half of 2022 they certainly seem like the team that is filling everything out they're understanding their roles and they're coming together as one but it was a big test coming being the two seed facing the seven seed in the brooklyn nets 
with Kyrie being fully, fully vaccinated <laughs> back in uh, ready. So um, it was uh, good to see, but uh, takeaway is that they're legitimate title contenders and they're, there's, I don't know any holes in this team that you could find. And we're going to tough matchup potentially up next against Giannis, but um, there's ways. Yeah, not that potentially Chris, Chris already threw it away. He <laughs> said, so we're playing the Bucks, So. No, yeah, they're, they're they're playing the Bucks. Tim, he's not vaccinated. What, what are you talking? Do you read that from Ballsack Sports? No, <laughs> he's joking. vaccinated. I, I, I was joking because he's playing Brooklyn now. <laughs> With the whole mandate, not. bad joke, bad joke. <laughs> this is the Celtics are no joke. Tim's got no jokes, and Kyle's got hot takes. Right. And I, I just I just want to start here though. Um, I, I think I think one of the most surprising things about this series was Kevin Durant was Kevin well <laughs> well honestly Bruce Brown we give, give him credit man. that guy from Dorchester nah, no no 100% play. brother Pistons uh, didn't give him a shot but Kevin Durant um let, let's start there did you um, I mean did we even expect him to play so poorly or I mean maybe the question is better posed did we expect the Celtics to play him so well I mean, I knew they'd probably double team him. Um, you know, whenever he got the ball, I think that's I think what they're doing to KD is the exact same thing they're gonna do to Giannis. Um, I think they might switch up a little bit. Um, but I mean, personally, I think them shutting Kyrie down the way they did was more significant. Dude had 26 yeah. points in game two and game three, and he dropped 39 in the first game. I mean, Bruce Brown looked better than him in game two and three. Like he was a more contributing factor in those games. And I think t- to me, shutting Kyrie down was a lot crazier than, than KD yeah. just because, you know, the relevancy of, you know, him leaving Boston, this is his series, what they did to us last year in the same round and then a whole switch. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, them shutting down KD, it wasn't a shock, but it was kind of more of a, a little bit, just a tiny surprise because honestly, what are you going to do with the best score in the NBA? You're going to double team regardless. So I think them shutting Kyrie down more, Marcus Smart playing right on top of him the whole time was insane to me and the way he played. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would say uh, it's a little bit of surprise from both uh, having Kevin Durant struggle the way he did, but also the way that how well the Celtics played them. And so the defense, I feel like it took it up a notch, but I expected Kevin Durant to go out there and get what he can. And um, it was shocking to see how, how much he was held when guys like Tatum were covering him. And then guys like Grant Williams last night, locking him up, putting him in jail. Yep. Um, but uh, it's got to be a little bit of both. Uh, certainly surprising to see him struggle, but you got to tip your cap to the Celtics for going out with the game plan, sticking to their guns and executing flawlessly. Yeah. Yep. For the versatility for sure. there to go from smart to Grant Williams, to the way that, um, Rob Williams and Horford protecting the basket, just the, the versatility from every man on their rotation is amazing. Um, so <laughs> what the amount of looks that they can throw at a guy is insane. Yeah, absolutely. It had to feel, um, good. It had to feel I, good that they had to go to Blake Griffin to get some energy to give them any sort of hope. And he, he did, he did, he did. He did. <laughs> That's did, but then we get that, that's like, that's their go-to. I think you, you kind of know you got them beat at, at the same time. I mean, I know it was Blake Griffin was yeah. the main reason Tatum fell out last night, and I thought that was gonna be uh 
that was such a crap foul, bro. The last one was, but the, the other two, that was that was just no, the other two. Favorite. The other the other two, yeah, the other two were, but that last one was whatever. That that shouldn't have happened. Just yeah, give nah, possession. Hundred percent. That was that was that was that was a stupid one. But I mean, I I think the the defense of KD throughout the series obviously it was impressive, but especially in game two. Uh, obviously, there were times in that game where it looked like the, the Nets were going to just take off and beat and and blow out the uh, the Celtics. But then it was literally just like they only let Kevin Durant score when they they wanted him to. It wasn't yeah. him scoring when they were with a slack with a defense or anything? It's like okay, well let him get it there. It was mainly only at the free throw line too. But the way that they were able to do that, it just gives you such such belief that they can really go on and 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 be contenders this year. And it's going to be so interesting to see how they try to match up Giannis because obviously he doesn't have the three ball the way that the KD yeah. does either. So they're going to have to defend a little bit differently. I think, <laughs> I think instead of, I think instead of having two, I think instead of having like Tatum and maybe um, either Marcus Smart garden, how they did with KD and everything, I think they're going to have to switch it up to either Robert, Robert uh, Williams or, uh, or, Horford, Tatum, or Horford, yeah. I don't know. I I think it's going to be different for them. I don't know who they're going to put up against them, but I think it's going to be a, a whole different story. But they're still going to double-team Giannis the way they did KD. It's just going to be two different personnel, I think. Yeah. It's going to have to be because the size difference is ridiculous. So, and who, on, and who, knows, who knows what's up with Middleton, so. Yeah, he's going to be out uh, probably for this I think as it, well. I think game I one, game so. two, and then he'll try for game three, kind of like a, a Ben Simmons. But yeah, look at the happened of that. So, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I haven't heard what. What do you think about Kyrie? Do you think he like shrunk in the moment because he was in Boston? Because it, it felt Fuck like Kyrie. Fuck Kyrie. He's a bum. That's what. In the yeah, words, in the words, in the words of all Boston. Fuck. Kyrie. <laughs> the amount of chance, the amount of chance uh-huh. we, we heard, like it, it wasn't even like the second quarter, and there are already like Bro, nine Kyrie chants, anti Kyrie chants. They were chanting that at a Red Sox games. They were chanting that at the Red Sox games. <laughs> <laughs> they were doing Kyrie. it at Bruins games too. Pretty I sure. I know. So it's like uh, it's unreal. But but Tim, how, how do you how do you think they really neutralize him? Because I, I do agree with Kyle that that was that was an impressive result there because. The way that the way that they threw a lot of length Katie's way, I mean, it's like it's it's less surprising than with the one-on-one defense that Marcus Smart played on Kyrie that forced him into a lot of uh, tough situations. Right. Uh, it felt like after Game Two, Kyrie essentially quit on the team, and um, yeah. maybe he he essentially turtled after I don't know maybe Game Two, but Game One, you could tell that it, it was the fans were getting to him, but it's just crazy just. If the Celtics don't pull off that buzzer beater, who knows what this series could currently look like. So yeah. it was uh, just the dominoes that fell from this. But I just got to give credit to the defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart, because he, he locked up Kyrie excellent. And then you guys have guys like Tatum blocking Kevin Durant shots. And the way that they switch, everyone can switch. And so with the upcoming series against potentially the Bucks, or it's looking like the Bucks, they're just going to have to put up a brick wall against Giannis. And have the other guys switch accordingly and have guys like Wes Matthews or Grayson Allen beat them. And um, Oh, Grayson, no yeah. meet you. 
Yeah, yeah. He, he'll uh, he'll break your he'll break probably, your neck or something. <laughs> probably trip you. <sighs> where where does where does know, Tatum stand right now? Uh, that's that's the thing I, I think is is an interesting uh, discourse as in, as throughout in, the NBA. As in, as in what? Like as in like where like list on the list? It's it's I don't want to get into a comparison battle here for sure, but. I mean, Tatum held KD to 15 points, 4 of 17, 1 of 6 of 3, 9 turnovers this Makes game. So, I mean, as a, yeah, it, as a, it's a crazy stack <laughs> going on, but the, the, the amount of, of hot takes out there, are they hot takes? I mean, where, where does he stand in comparing him to the best in the NBA? Like, does this change things in just one series? I mean, Absolutely I think Paul Pierce, Paul Pierce said it, bro. He's, he's, he's taken over the hierarchy. This is yeah, this is no. the, bro. This this isn't even prime Jason Tatum yet, bro. He's only twenty four. Like, but it's starting. It's it's coming up here. So who are you putting not up there? Yet. Is he is he top five? Is he top five now? He's top ten. He's top ten. He's better than that list I sent you. He's better yeah, than do half you, those Do you guys. put him over KD because of the series? Um, not just yet. No, that's that's yet. too not soon. Yet. But not he's uh, he's certainly ascending. But he's definitely a top 10 player. He's solidified himself as a top 10 player because yeah. he's one of the best mm-hmm. two-way players in the league. And that's a fact. And with his length and size and his age, he's ascending into his potential. And as of right now, today, regardless of the series, I'm sure you have to put Kevin Durant ahead of Jason Tatum. But yeah. maybe a year from now, that could be a different conversation because he's certainly seeming like he's getting to his potential and he's he's ascending exceptionally yeah, yeah. I, I think the amazing thing is the uh decision making the way he's passed it sure. all the way the way he's gotten his teammates involved and honestly you know i, I think it's a two-way street there he's been just completely destroyed by fans and everyone like for yeah everyone around him has gotten better like grant you, he can't be a good passer without grant williams hitting from three mm-hmm. he can't be a good passer without rob williams being an elite uh rim threat can't be a good passer without Ime Udoka putting them in place. I, I think a lot of these things have coalesced for him to look like the part. And, you know, he's not just this Kobe taking a bunch of shots. And I think the great thing about how they played as a whole um, is that only 8% of their shots have been away from the free throws, the paint, from points in the paint, and threes. They're taking just the most efficient shots possible. And that shot profile was not there last year, the year before that. Him and Brown combined yeah. just taking a I mean, bad shot. Wasn't even there. The, wasn't even there at the beginning of the season. I mean, me and yeah. me and Tim the first time we were on here, all we did was slander Marcus Smart. We trade anybody. Should be Marcus Smart. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Marcus listens to this this podcast, but he must have because dude flipped the switch and now look at him. So yeah, definitely a lot I, of surprises, man. So okay, I'm not. I was waiting for the uh, the Celtics taking over the world takes, but we're being patient here, which is good because I think we can predict who they're going to play next. Um, we, I already know who they're going to play in the, the round after that. Bro, Celtics in five. I'm already predicting Celtics in five against the Bucs. I'm saying it now. <laughs> Celtics in five against the Bucs, right there. All right. Right. He, he took it. the bait. They'll give up, they'll give the up one game. They'll give up what one about, game. Tim, are you there? Tim, are you there? No, I would say Celtics in six. Um, but okay. it's gonna be okay. a, it's gonna be a big test against uh, Giannis and the Bucks. But unfortunately, so. with Middleton being out, it's a huge advantage for the Celtics because 
a couple seasons ago, the Raptors essentially exposed how to defend Giannis, and you got to put up that brick wall. You can't let him attack the paint. You got to force him to kick it out, and the Celtics have the ability to switch like there's no tomorrow. And so I have Mm -hmm. faith in the Celtics defense. They're going to be able to figure it out. I don't think it's going to be four games, five games. I say six. I think I think the I think the Middleton thing causes me to say five. I think if Middleton was there, I'd say maybe it'd go seven. But I think they steal one. I think Giannis. I think maybe the Celtics go up two nothing, and then Giannis gets pissed and has the one game, and then I think the Celtics kind of get humbled with that, and then they just go back to doing what they were doing before. So it could go six. It could go seven. I don't know. Maybe we'll get another. No, nah, you said five. Again. No, you said five. We're going to stick with five there, but uh, I think we're the, sticking the, with five. The performance five. of Jalen Brown is going to be important again in that series. One thing I loved about the way he played against uh, Brooklyn is how aggressive he was. His shot wasn't going down yeah. at times, but the way he got to the rim and a lot of really tough finishes were really, really. Or just impressive. get, or just go to the line, or just go to yeah. the line from it. Like it, so it made a lot. It'd be interesting to see if he can keep doing that uh, against. Against Boston or against uh, they are Boston against uh, Milwaukee, uh, I wonder if the the books will look at that and and try and find a way to stop that. I guess Giannis is going to be in the paint, but they've they've got other guys that they got to worry about. If if Brown can continue to get to the rim like that or even find his shot, it could really open up a lot of doors for the Boston. Yeah, for sure. I think it would be um, so. I want to talk about the this uh, this in more depth, and I think the way we can do that is kind of see how this Bulls Bucks matchup has gone. I, I think there's there's a lot of ways to see how the Bucks can can diagnose the Celtics offense, and also vice versa. The, the things that the Bulls have actually potentially done well to uh, to mm-hmm. stop Good the one. Bucks in short spurts, in yeah. short spurts. I mean, the, the flashes are in there, especially in in games one and two, but um, but. <laughs> Ronan has, has just been previewing this this question. Now it's just been burning in my mind. I have no idea what you're going to ask me here for the the bulls, but I guess I do need a little bulls therapy. So I'll let you kick off. Well, you gotta, yeah, gotta. You're down three one now. I mean, after that game two uh, game, you were you were ready. You were pumped. You were ready yeah. to run through a wall for Demar Derozan. And why not? <laughs> I mean, the guy the guy went off in that game. Forty one points, seven boards, four assists, a steal, a couple of couple of blocks he shot 52 percent from the field then you go back home for your first playoff games at home in a long while the books are down middleton and you just get worse and worse and worse you you go you lose by 30 points <laughs> levine and and DeRozan combined for 10 of 22 uh, then you go and lose by what twenty four points. DeRozan goes eight of twenty. I mean, it was just it was just disastrous. Yeah, uh, the, I, you should have fed off that crowd. It should have been unbelievable homecoming. You should have confidence should have been up. No Middleton, definitely an advantage there for you. But instead, you go completely the opposite way and just crumble under the pressure. I guess. I think, you know, when you watched Game Three. You see exactly what the Bucks want to do. Exactly what they want to do. And they they went completely in on forcing DeMar, forcing Levine to their left hand, forcing them away from their spots. And they did that perfectly. Because where, where did DeMar DeRozan score almost 80% of his shots? He was shooting it right to the left of the free throw line. That was his, that was his spot on, on shooting like 15 feet from the rim. And they didn't let him get there. They physically did not let him get there. They hedge screens, their icing screens. They were doubling 
they're sending early help from the corner. And that was the most painful part is when they'd send help one man away, our three-point shooters were just not, well, they were not three-point shooters. So I think when it comes to the playoffs, you see this um, between contending teams and teams who are new to the playoffs, and it takes gambles. In the Bucks, they gambled. They put all their chips in on stopping DeRozan, stopping Levine, and letting everyone else beat them. And they don't have any – like, their young guys are just not ready for the moment. Al Williams is not ready for the moment. Kobe White's not ready for the moment. Iowa's not ready for the moment. And yeah. Levine's still just little I, – I think he still needs that playoff experience to get there. And it's funny because Vooch was playing so well. And he immediately started off hot, hitting two threes, getting inside scoring, and the Bucks just dared him to keep doing it. And I don't think Vooch is that guy where he's just going to dominate the ball and just keep shooting. So it was, it was funny that, you know, th- there are times that, you know, the Bucks have done this in the past where they will just let people get an absurd amount of open looks and they start to second guess themselves. And that's exactly what Vooch did. He just started second guessing himself that he was too open and he didn't want to just keep shooting. So they played the perfect chess match. And I think the way that they matched the Bulls demonstrated that, you know, they're just not ready for the moment. And I'm I'm okay with that because this wasn't supposed to be the year either. And I think there's enough youth on this team where you don't give them a pass, but you hope that this is a, a learning lesson that this is what a contending team looks like. You know, you, you see Io Desumu matched up against Drew Holiday, who's a great archetype for a guard like him with his length, his defense, and his two-way play. That that's how that's how you play a star like DeRozan, the way Drew Holiday was, was just completely taking DeRozan out of this game. I mean, DeRozan's not have been a fluke for this. DeRozan was an MVP candidate for the re- mm. for a reason. He scored at will on anybody, but when it mattered, Drew Holiday and his defense, I mean, he fought through every screen. He predicted every move and DeRozan just wasn't comfortable at all. So, I mean, I, I got to give props to the Bucks and, you know, I'm not going to be too down on a Bulls team that just is is their pieces away. Their bench is too is the last in the league in scoring. And You're breaking those comments. Is. I know the books that defend the champions, mm-hmm. of course, they're an unbelievable team. But look at what the Pelicans are doing to the Suns when they're down. They're yep. one of their guys. The Raptors mm-hmm. doing it, doing a similar job. Even the Timberwolves, the, you could argue, and you're still going to the Jazz. This the Jazz are doing year. it too. Yeah, you got, oh, you yeah. got, you got the door. The door was open that little bit, and they've yeah. just completely failed to take advantage. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, it comes down to, it comes down to um, a few things. I mean, with the Raptors, we can talk about them later, but their advantage is through their length and their athleticism and their ability to create turnovers. That's something they can absolutely lean on, especially with the way that Philly has played. They can do that. I think the Pelicans too. I mean, they're led by by CJ and Ingram first, and I think that the that 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 is that is an interesting delineation to make. It can why why can't Demar Derozan and Levine be doing what CJ and Ingram are doing? And I I think it's you know it, it's a couple things. I think one you have to look at the on ball defense of Drew Holiday, and two. You have to look at the interior defense of Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Suns are a great team defense, but I think that, that the Pels have found a good way to get the matchups and openings that they want. But I do think when it comes down to, to really negating stars, I think the Bucks are uniquely talented at taking out guys like DeRozan and Levine. I mean, the way that they can just completely take away the paint from them and Drew Holiday is elite defensively. So I, was I, think, I, I don't 
Tim, go ahead. You're good. Yeah, I was going to say, even though it may feel a little disappointing for the Bulls in this first round, nonetheless, it was a step in the right direction for this team. And their Bulls aren't even 100% healthy. I think they're a completely different team when Lonzo Ball is playing and, yeah, you know, the playoff experience. And, and they got they got drawn a tough matchup against the defending champions. So I did not expect the Bulls to win the series. But even if it may be disappointing and, and pointing out those other teams that are giving the higher seeds uh, – a run for their money. It was a good step in the right direction for the Bulls. And, and Christian, you're exactly right. They have tons of youth on their side. And a year like this is, is important for a year like next year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at a guy like Grant Williams, like Grant Williams, him making a leap from, you know, he's a interesting, like, you know, he can be a switchable defender and maybe he can shoot threes to being a legitimate switchable defender this year elite switchable defender and is an elite three-point shooter that that's like there are little things that he's done over the course of an offseason and you know seeing what what should have been in the playoffs and those things have been a very big x factor for why on the court the Celtics have looked different this season I mean this is a tough pill to swallow but Kobe White like it's his third year and a guy that needs to be a, a a a floor raiser off the bench. He needs to be making shots because that's what he's bringing. He's just not bringing it defensively for him not to bring it in this series and continue to be inconsistent. I mean, that one guy, like it, it takes, you need guys to have games, guys who you don't expect. Grayson Allen has been that guy for the bucks. He's (laughs) me. I I don't want to look at it. What his three point (laughs) percentage is, but like he's made every open three he's been given. I know that for a fact because they just they haunt me at night. I wake up and I just look at Grayson Allen taking shot Ted Cruz in a full Bucks jersey. And I think that's the one thing. Like losing to the Bucks is fine, but losing to Ted Cruz in a Bucks jersey is just unforgivable. That's that's yeah. what gets me right. And he's just been such a villain for the Bulls all season. And I hate that he's just gonna enter this this pantheon of of NBA villains, especially against the Bulls. But um I will say this. Let, 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 I want to shift focus though to to how this why all this matters for the Celtics, um, because I think there are things that that will matter. Because if you look at how the Bucks have played, Demar Derozan and Levine, and I think if, if you take away the, I think you take away the idea that oh well, Demar and Levine just weren't ready for the moment, and they just can't like like those are elite scorers in this league for a reason. And the Bucks just completely dismantled what the Bulls wanted to do to get them open looks. And I think you have to be prepared for what the Bucks want to do to defend Tatum and Brown. And I, I'm interested to see that because, you know, they're going to leave Marcus Smart wide open, shooting 31% from three on eight attempts per game in the playoffs. White, Derek White, who need, he's so good defensively, but he needs to step it up. He's one of 11 across 20 yeah. minutes per game from three. Yeah, you know, they're not going to defend Rob Williams, obviously, and Tice, he's not going to be attracting any attention from three. So the Bucks are really going to dare these guys. And is Horford going to keep shooting a miraculous 60% from three? I mean, he's he's been absolutely crazy against the Nets. So sweet. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I think Grant Williams will continue to be good. But I think the Bucks are going to dare those guys to shoot. They're going to leave them wide open. They're going to force them to second guess, and they are going to really be pressuring Tatum and Brown and forcing them into the mid range. So I, I wonder, like, what, what do you? Th- how do you think they're going to respond to this? Because that that's that's my that is one of my concerns. Is if you if you leave the door open for Tatum and Brown to beat you with their jump shot, 
which has been a problem for them in the past, you bring up old habits. Is that something that they're going to fall into? And is, is Udoka going to be able to respond to, to find a way to get them open looks outside of that? I mean, if you look back at the regular season, it's, it's two, two. I mean, you know, we've, this is probably, in my opinion, like, obviously, yes, I want the Celtics to sweep. Do I think it'll happen? Nobody knows. But if it goes how it did in the regular season, this thing's probably going to go seven games just mm -hmm. because of the back and forth. And if you get Middleton back, I think it 100% goes seven games. I don't think Middleton will be back until maybe maybe game three or four, if that, you know, Lord willing, he doesn't. But, I mean, it's been back and forth with these two all season. So, you know, you're going to get what you get. We've seen, we've seen them four times. They've seen us four times. It's just – Time will tell game one and we'll see how it goes from there. And then it's just going to be adjustments after adjustments. So, yeah. If they yeah, want them to I'd shoot, say, let it fly. Yeah. The biggest hurdle for the Celtics is the lack of defense. The neck, the net showed the bucks are a lot better defensively, as you mentioned mm -hmm. yeah. with Drew holiday, Giannis and everyone else that goes along with it. So the keys here is ball movement. They can't get into the isolated ball. They have to set picks. They have to roll. They have to force defenders to switch and attack the mismatch and that's the way that they're going to win and i think that they're going to they the it's night and day since 2021 and 2022 with the ball movement and the iso ball and this celtics team they're not going to fall back into old habits when the going gets tough they're going to stick to the game plans and they're going to find out ways and they're going to make adjustments but i certainly think it's key if they they're moving the ball around they're setting picks and they're forcing the defenders to switch and attack the mismatch, and they got to attack the lobs with Rob Williams and uh, let Marcus Smart shoot and let Derek White shoot because I don't think Derek White is going to be struggling the way he's been struggling. And his three, the three-point shot is not even his game, but he's he's going to take it, and he will take it. And if he's off, then they got to figure something out, and they got to put Pritchard in and just uh, make these adjustments yeah. as the series goes, and that's what it's all about. I think Pritchard should be should be absolutely an X-factor here because playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. He's I had his moments. Baby. He's had his moments. He, he doesn't did. look scared when he gets on the floor. He doesn't look scared. Doesn't look scared at the moment. He doesn't. Um, he looks like he looks like he he knows what his job is in his role. He'll he'll come in for those eight ten minutes and and do the best he can, and that's that. And, and that's what he's done good so far. He's been doing great at that. You can't yeah. ask more from him. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's a facilitator, and when he's open, he's gonna pop it. And if it goes in, it goes in. Yeah, I gotta stop with these sentences, bro. It's a little weird. <laughs> I, I got it. I, I'm really, I'm really curious how they're, how this is gonna work out in terms of uh, smart and and white, because that's, I that's definitely gonna be the major thing. Because what the Bucks have done with the Bulls is just completely dare their non-shooters to shoot. What are, you, what are you gonna do? And they've packed the paint, and that's that's one crazy thing about the way that the the Celtics have scored against the Nets is you know 33 percent, almost a third of all their points are coming from the paint. And the Bucs can do everything they can to take that advantage Stop away. Mm -hmm. Almost 20% of their points against the Nets have come in the fast break, have come off of turnovers. And I think that the Bucs are, are a lot more organized offensively. And that, that's going to be a battle that's going to be a little bit more marginal as well. So it's really, it's really going to be coming down to how versatile this offense can be, which they absolutely can be, and how Udoka can respond to that. And, you know, th this could be a Marcus Smart hate fest if he ends up going 30% from three and he just can't get the offense going. And 
I, I am a little bit scared of what, how Tatum and Brown will respond to the defensive pressure. Are they, are they going to fall on old habits or has Yudoka really turned the page here completely and they'll listen to whatever adjustments he has to make? So I think it's going to be easy in a series like this where, you know, they's, they're given a look, like you said, Tim, like if they, they get mismatches, you know, they're, they're just going to try and attack that. But I think what's been a beautiful part of about how the Celtics have succeeded against the Nets has been the complete team game. I mean, the, the ball is just whipping around the court there, especially that game winner, that buzzer beater, although it was, <laughs> although it was real close, it made it close. That was such a, a pinnacle of how the Celtics have changed as a team, the way that they've moved the ball, the way that they are actually playing as a team and they're getting to the basket. They're not settling for jumpers. I, I think that they've, they've put things together, but anyone who's expecting a buck sweep, anyone who's expecting the bucks to be an easy out just because Middleton's not there, the, the bulls, I mean, the bulls are not ready, but the way that the, the bucks have, have negated everything they were good at it, we got to see what kind of hand Ime Udoka has and how deep he can go into his bag of tricks. Yeah, I think, I think overall, I mean, dude, they went 31 and 10 since what, January, like, they trust the dude. They know they know what his game plan is, and they follow it. And you know, if they fall in old habits, man, they better not let it fall for too long, or it's gonna be a problem. You know, uh, if you call the could prove big sh- here. Haven't getting yeah. that second seed that could that could end up being a being a big factor because I mean, yeah, as as good as, good as the good as the books are, I mean, playing playing in TD mm-hmm. Garden, I mean, it, it's tough that that crowd gets on your be... back and they frustrate you. Hmm. It's, it's, there's not gonna be any fi uh f f Giannis chance but they could be they pick they'll pick somebody it might be f grayson allen or something yeah yeah chris will be in there saying that himself yeah, i know he will <laughs> he'll go to the game he'll go to the game just to do that and then he'll leave <laughs> <laughs> what what kind of you talked about a little bit about uh how to stop Giannis, but like what what's what, what do you think is the celtics best strength in order to to stop him um i i think my, my personal opinion on it, the way that Caruso has frustrated Giannis at times, getting him in foul trouble. That's what I was going to say. Get him in foul trouble, man. Yeah. I think Marcus Smart can copy and paste that perfectly. I think, so. I think he can too. I think just yeah, drive they got to be physical. The yeah. Drive down on the lane and, and bump him, man. Get him to foul you. Because if they, if they get him to foul trouble and they got to keep sitting him, that's exactly what you need. I mean, once he's out, you just take over. And abuse him, and then when he comes back in, you know, just start moving the ball around again. But if you get him in foul trouble and he goes to the bench, that's exactly the that's probably their game plan. That's exactly what they need to do. Yeah, the, the fascinating part about the Bucks is that they they love to play big, and their lineup right now that's been really clicking has been Lopez, Bobby Portis, Giannis, Matthews, Drew Holiday. I mean, their their backcourt's massive, Drew Holiday and West Matthews, and then their their front court is. I mean, three guys that can play center. So yeah. the, the Celtics can be forced with a, a big choice here is if, are they going to match the size and play big or are they going to play small, which has been their most successful uh, lineups offensively. And I think that their choice there kind of depends on whether they're going to sacrifice on the off- on the defensive end. Cause I don't, I don't think they're gonna be able to stop Giannis if they go small with, with Grant Williams. I, I don't, I don't know. I, that seems a risky, risky move there. But if you 
put Rob Williams out there and you have Horford and you're running Tice, then that's just that complete lack of shooting is going to lend towards vulnerability of Tatum just getting doubled from the perimeter all the time. That, that, that I think is, is a big question of how Yudoka chooses to, to match the, the buck size, the rebounding and their interior defense. Yeah, I'm interested to see who the starting center for the Celtics will be. And it, it really all depends on when this Bulls and Bucks series wraps up. If it wraps up tomorrow, likely game one could be Sunday. And that gives the yeah. Celtics about six days, five days or so to game plan the team that they're going after. So it really all depends on if they're going to have Rob Williams come off the bench and give you 15 to 20 minutes or if he's going to be the starter. But if I'm the Celtics, I just stick to what's been working and make adjustments as it goes. So if the, the big, lengthy lineup of the Bucks causes some issues for the smaller Celtics lineups, well, then you got to match that and you got to try it and you got to try doing different things. But I say stick to what's been working. As Kyle mentioned, it's been about 31 and 10 since um, in their last 41 games. You stick to what's been working because that's a massive sample size and you don't want to just mess with it just to go with the matchups unless you need to. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's very true. I think about one thing you would say, I think it might be fair to say that as as good as the Celtics have been, and this has already been a great first year for, for Emi Adoka, this, this series could really be the tester to see if he truly is <laughs> a, an elite level coach in this league, the adjustments he, he can make and the, the way if this Boston team can continue playing the way they are, time to get a little bit scared. Yeah. And you, you, you guys been watching closely the, uh, your 76ers team that uh, I know you're not a big fan of Tim. I'm sure you're happy to see them struggling a little bit. I, I do. I do want to talk a little bit about, about, um, about them. Cause I think Hawks and heat, they, that's, that's all, but kind of been decided um before I, before we get there i have a question i have go a for question it. for all, for for all three yeah, of you. Yeah, well, yeah two actually two actually so uh, uh like 10 minutes ago you, t- you said villain and unforgivable you know who that reminds me of tim do you know who that reminds us of is it james harden no he plays for the nets he, he doesn't <laughs> he, he plays for the nets unforgivable and villain who, who am i talking about guess that character does it does he wear number 11 he does, and F, <laughs> I don't him, know. F him by the way. F him by the way, because because <laughs> yet last night, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna tell you this little quote he said. For me, it's always been about being comfortable, and loving where I'm at. I love it here. We heard that before, right? Once the summertime hits, I know we'll have some conversations. But there's no way I can leave my man, Kevin Durant, anywhere. End quote. We've heard that before, right? Yeah. We heard that one time in the TD Garden at a season ticket holder event where he said, if you plan on having me next year, I'm going to resign. Last time I checked, he didn't resign. What do you guys think Kyrie and Kevin Durant are going to do this summer? Those felt like hollow words to me, too. Oh, yeah. We've heard that before, yeah. bro. Fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice. Oh, wait, maybe it's the other way around. Shame, yeah, on, shame you. on you all the way around. <laughs> yeah, it, always, it always applies. I screwed it up. Yeah, we get but, you, though. Yeah, that, you, you never trust a word out of Kyrie's man. That's just, I think we all know that at this age. He doesn't know what's going on in his own head, so how the hell are we meant to? Yeah. Do you think Do you think one of them could leave eventually, like this 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 summer? 
Yeah. Uh, I can definitely see no. Kyrie doing something, who knows, something weird. But the position they're in, it's 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 a weird one. I feel like they'll they'll run it back, but with Kyrie, uh, you you really you just never know. He said things before. He said he he he's happy where he is, and then that completely changes after after a few weeks. So he's he's the question mark. I think KD will be won't 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 be looking to go anywhere. I think they'll try try their best to to run it back again next year. They'll hopefully have that that Ben Simmons fella back, and uh, and maybe. Maybe and Joe Harris as well. He he'll be a big addition too. But yeah, with Kyrie, you know, you never truly know. I think he stays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he stays. I'm not sure if they'll get an extension done. I bet you he opts into his player option, and they run it back with Ben Simmons and see what the team can do. But if I'm the Nets or if I'm the owners or the GM, I'm not looking to give him a bigger deal because he's proven that he's unreliable. He's, he misses more games than he plays and whether that's his personal choice or just his way of not wanting to show up or go to a birthday party, whatever it is, (laughs) he's proven, he's proven himself unreliable. So if I'm the Nets, don't give him an extension, have him opt in play for this year and then see where things go from there. And my, my second question, who was the bigger villain this series? Kyrie Irving or Ben Simmons? <laughs> because you got your own head coach at a press conference saying, it's news to me that he's playing in game four and game three. I didn't know anything about it. And then come to find out, Buddy doesn't play in either game regardless. So and then doesn't even do show think? up for game four. Um, it just uh, feels like Brooklyn's a dumpster fire right now. And they got great talent. But unfortunately, you got basket cases for a couple of their star players. And so hopefully we'll see what an offseason brings and what the start of the year and just a full season of a team that can they can gel together and uh, yeah. see what it comes to. But right now, it just it's 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 beautiful. To, it's beautiful to see. It's amazing. to See, this is like, dude, Christmas came like eight months early. It's beautiful. Yeah, we see, uh, that we'll, ben see. Sim- we'll see what happens. Ben, ben Simmons. Simmons now. That Ben Simmons Harden trade is probably like one of the biggest like first lose lose trades we've seen in the NBA. I thought that I I thought that would be one of the best win win trades because like that's got the guy they needed and the 76 has got nothing nothing but the opposite. It's hilarious. I mean, both teams had to have been like, wow, we really got rid of that guy. (laughs) Yeah, man. I I don't know. Villain villain is villain is tough. Villain is tough. You know, you, you never. You never want to assume, but I, but this is the thing that I hate though is like Ben Simmons for all the issues that he he says he has. Um, his head has it's. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not gonna even go as far to say that, but he hasn't done anything to advocate. I mean, like where where's the advocacy for that? I mean, Kevin Love has talked about it. Demar Derozan has talked about it. There's serious conversations that they've had about mental health, and that's a serious thing for them. And that for yeah. Ben Simmons, like he's he's showing up in designer clothes, and you know, and, you know, I don't want you to, I don't need him to show up to the game like unshowered and unkempt and just depressed looking, but like for him, like he just doesn't look the part of a guy who's too mentally stressed out to play basketball. It's, like, it's this, the same thing. It's the same thing with Zion though. Like Zion's over there goofing off on his phone while they're on, like on TV for a timeout, and you just see him goofing off and jumping around in the background, like 
Dude, they probably could have beat the Suns by now if he was playing with no Devin know. Booker. Like, we we actually talked about that, and I don't I, I don't care about that as much as I care about the fact that the Pels are good without him, and I don't think that they want yeah. to mess up what they've got going. But I mean, at course, least he's there. Least, at least he's there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Simmons is the first guy ever who got who's got injured from not playing basketball. <laughs> yeah, he, he hurt his back from sitting down too much. Yeah. No, it's from the stress, it's the mental stress. The triggers that he said today, it triggers his back injury when he gets stressed. Yeah, complete baloney. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said on the last podcast, Chris, that you know, if Ben Simmons came back, man, it could switch up the series. And I I yeah, I hundred percent believe that. I, I, think I think it, it was, was I think if it was hardened, I think it was hardened. Maybe a little different because the the defense would have been spread too thin, in my opinion, because they got to worry about all three of those guys. But with Ben Simmons, man, it's just like he comes back. What is he going to do? He hasn't played in, what, a year and a half now? Like, Yeah, Harden, Harden, the guy who's shooting 37% from the field this playoffs. He would have yeah, really but it's a different, it's a different team. It's a different game. Like, <laughs> I know. I'm gonna punch you when I see you next week. Just but I, I think I think I think the I mean to to speak on Harden, speak on 76. I think he's get over to the, the Celtics. Get onto that. Come on. Yeah, the, the, the Celtics. The Celtics are are in such a good position because I mean, just look at look at the the 76ers. Look at look at the Nets. I mean, I think they've demonstrated that they're better than these two teams. I mean, I got to give 100 oh, credit to the sure. Raptors. The, what the, the Raptors have done. I mean, 20 minutes in the second half of. Uh, of this last game, Embiid, they, they held Embiid to seven points on seven that's shots. That's the only that's the only series I'm not paying attention to. Is Van is Van Fleet back or is he still hurt? No, I think he's still he, hurt. He was hurt. They, they did it. They did it without him, and I think he, they have so many guys who are so young and talented, and they could really. And Scotty's just back. Scotty's back, right? Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ach- Achua. I mean, the way he's showing potential. I mean, the Sixers uh, got to figure something out here. They got I wish he was out. on. The, I wish he was on the Heat still, bro. That that was a nice pickup. He's, Bam, he's Bam Junior. Bam Junior. The he way is. he plays. That's what I said last year, and I was like, dude, the fact that we had to give him up. I mean, yeah, we got Kyle Lowry from him, but I mean, Bam. Still, Bam he looks like Bam who could shoot threes. He does. That's what I'm saying. He looks like the Bam that can actually shoot. Because I mean, and not Bam's pass. whatever, but the, the yeah, not basketball. Yeah, solid trade off. They got but, they got Lowry from it. They're focused on the now. It's understandable. So. But no matter who it goes, I think this all points towards Heat, Celtics, because the 76 ers struggling against the Raptors right now. I think it's more demonstrative of their issues. And Joel, just jo- Joel, say, Joel saying he's not going to get surgery till the end of the season is just whatever at this point. You can tell he, he's in pain when he shoots. Yeah, I, I respect. Yeah. See that, like Ben you Simmons, it, you got to keep playing. You got to, you got to yeah. keep playing. There's no point dropping out now and getting the surgery. But at the same time, then know, you've but... done that, and you can't make the excuse for for being on the floor if you can't use that as an excuse for losing at all either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But when oh. Joel gets hurt, he babies it. Don't forget that knee injury he had when he came out of college. He babied the crap out of thing for how many? What two, two, three seasons, and he finally showed up. So, bro, he had like a bro. Hand. He had a broken foot. Oh. <laughs> Dude's got when he gets hurt, he's out for a minute. Just just wait. It's gonna, I, it's I gotta happen. eat my words. I gotta eat my words because at the beginning of the season, I didn't think that he had a chance to to be in the running for MVP or anything like that. Cause I didn't think he'd play enough games. He, he's played most of the season. He's been healthy most of the yeah. season. And I think I go I gotta give him credit for doing that and gutting it out. Cause like you said, guys like Simmons not gutting it out. Zion not gutting it out. Um, I mean AD at times. Yes, it's, it's only available. right that he had to break down those. Ah, yeah, I mean the, the way that it's gone. 
But I, yeah. I think all things considered, when you look across the East, it's, I mean, the Celtics have separated themselves and the Heat, well, I, I think we'll, we'll be able to talk about that uh, by next, in a couple of weeks. We'll, we'll see how the, so. the Celtics perform against the Bucks coming up. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I can call it. You don't have to pretend anymore that there is some potential that it won't be no, and, the Bucks. And it's, a, it's the same thing in the West. I mean, you don't, I think it's going to be Warriors versus Suns, but you know, let's see what happens with, with Booker, man. Like, I don't know when I'll be back. We'll Dude, see. It's, it's 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 Pelicans. It's gonna it's gonna be Pelicans. I'm telling you. Really you really think you really think? So. I hundred percent think so. I hundred percent think so. I I don't think I don't think that the I don't think Suns have enough uh, firepower right now. They they don't have enough scoring. But if I come back in time and I'm healthy, you think I'll will be fine or? This man, I, I don't know. We, we don't need people to know your obsession with thinking that you're Devin Booker, but <laughs> there's no um, obsession. If you come people back, if you come you back, that. whatever, bro. If you come back in game <laughs> seven, maybe, 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 maybe they give up Jeremy Lin a call and they call you and they bring you over it. there. All right. <laughs> I love I it. hear it from you. But all right, bus driver Ronan, we, we got anything else we need to cover here before we out? I got one last question for you about your Bulls. Oh, no. All right. We're done with that. Zach Levine, 27 years old. This is his first ever season playing playoff basketball. He's averaging 19, 5, and 6 and 43% shooting, yet to hit over 25 points. Unrestricted free agent this year. Any doubts about giving him a deal and bringing him back? Oh, you have to. You have to. That's that's the NBA. That's the NBA marketplace. You're not going to bait me into some ridiculous hot take because anyone who's saying that you shouldn't is a fool. Because like it is it is it immediately the best looking contract ever if you give him a max? No, it's not, and you have to live with that. And I think the reason you have to live with that is because you have to pay for talent, not just for that individual talent, but you have to pay for that to build your team. You don't build a team based off of of being cheap. You don't build a team yeah. without talent like Zach Levine. And it's tough when you're in positions where you have to overpay for it, but you have to work through that because you don't just bring in. You're not the Lakers. Like the Lakers can just poach talent but the Chicago Bulls need to build with their guys that they've committed to. And look, it's not my money. I don't care. I mean, I know that, <laughs> that the That's general fair. management have shown a lot of creativity. I mean, they've led the league. For sure. <laughs> they, they've, they've signed the core, and trained everybody. The core they've had so far, man, dude, Chicago is going to be a problem in the next couple of years. They should. But and and it comes they, down to player development. Yeah. And if they don't keep Levine, man, that's, that's a big pain in the side, bro. Like that's a stab right there. Know, that that they're gonna regret because Levine man has showed that he's not just some slam dunk contest winner, he's not some three point contest performer, any of this crap. Dude's dude's legit. Dude is legit. He's developed a shot. He has handles, and he knows what to do with the ball. And if they let him go, man, that's gonna be a big mistake. They're gonna regret it. And Chris Wrote is gonna it cry. I mean, I will, I will, but I guess I'll, I will take a step back and I will say though that I mean. It's I, I gotta give him credit for all the things that Kyle's saying in the regular season for how he's performed. Um, and I think that his debuting against the Milwaukee Bucks is not easy. <laughs> that, that's not an yeah, easy team to debut against. But I think it does confirm for me that two things. One is the health isn't fully there. <laughs> you, you see just that he he doesn't have that same burst at the beginning of the season. That knee pain is still obviously bothering him. And I think that his inability to take his game to the next level in this situation at this peak means that he still has a ways to go. 
he still has a ways yeah. to go to be to be a superstar. And I think, you know, I'm you can't assume that development. I think you have to keep building talent. You can't assume that this roster is done. There's a lot of work to be done because he's not, it's not the Zach Levine show. It's a Chicago Bulls. And he's a yeah. part of it, but he's not everything. Because if he, he's not, <laughs> I, I don't know if you put Jason Tatum in this scenario, if he, if he puts him over the edge. I don't know if you put Devin Booker in the scenario, if he puts him over the edge. But I know that in this scenario, Zach Levine doesn't put him over the edge. So they need a guy who can. And I think, I think Demar has been helpful. I think Demar's been helpful though. I think Demar has helped Lonzo. Yeah, it's forty-one points or less. Zach, no, but I'm saying like as just this season, like no one thought the polls were going to be top yeah. top three ten in the middle of the season. But dude, they're yeah. killing everybody. And then free agent. See that MVP free Demar, agent. <laughs> Demar, Demar was he had the leadership and and he you know he showed the younger guys how it's done and how it's supposed to be done and, and you could tell by their record. You know, at the end of the season, they kind of let it slip and. You know, they ended up being where they are in the playoffs. But, you know, it's a good start for the Bulls. And I think if, if you continue to go up that hill, you know, they'll eventually get deeper into the playoffs. But, you know, you let, you let Levine go, man, it's, it's going to be a tough tough cookie to swallow. So. Yeah, I don't think he'll devolve into a worse version of himself like Julius Randle has after he got signed. Oh, Lord. No need. No need for that. <laughs> so you get to ask me the question. Oh, That's so off topic. So unnecessary. <laughs> comparable situation. The compar- co- com- comparative analytics running is essential to basketball. Yeah, you better hope not. It hurts. <laughs> well, He'll fly I, over I think here. he'll smack you. <laughs> I I think that that wraps it up, huh? Any more any more digging questions at what the Bulls should or should not do with the fact that they're about to get kicks right out of the playoffs and back into the offseason? No, I do have to be. I do have one more thing though. You know, what? F Kyrie. Just want to let that one more time. <laughs> oh come on, man! You just lost in the game. There we go. You just lost in the game. We had We had a drinking game going, and you just lost in the game. Thank you. Oh. You're welcome. We 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 did a we did a little bingo board of who would have what takes and how many of them. And the team slander over here won. So, cheers, go Celtics. Yes, sir. Celtics are fire. Let's go. Of course, Kyle, Tim, much much appreciated. You guys guys coming on. Sure. Always good to talk uh, Celtic ball with some. Uh, some big time Celtics fans, and hopefully we'll have you on again soon after after another big series against against those books. Of course, thanks for having us. Peace. Peace. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment. <laughs>